we're going in a direction I like to call it uh, embedding everything. And I think that's really exciting for not just machine learning application developers, but also for a wide range of existing use cases as well. So really, you know, a vector database is, I would say, a database for the AI era. This is Contributor, a podcast telling the stories behind the best open source projects and the communities that make them. I'm Eric Anderson. Today we're talking about Milvis, a vector database, and we have with us Frank Liu, who's an architect at Zillis, the company who's backed Milvis. Frank, thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Eric. So Frank, I think it's imperative that we first clarify what a vector database is. This is kind of a component new to us in the world of machine learning, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to take a quick step back real quick. I'm going to talk about embeddings and just machine learning in general first. Uh, I know a lot of listeners probably are familiar with this concept, but for those of you out there who who are fairly new to machine learning, there's this idea called embedding space. And what we're able to do is take human-generated data or unstructured data and embed those as a high-dimensional vector. A lot of these vectors can be, you know, 256 dimensions, uh, 512 dimensions, but it's essentially a floating point vector of values. And these are called embeddings, right? In general, I would say the vast majority of embeddings that you'll see in the industry or in academia today are generated using machine learning models. So in the case of computer vision, either a ConvNet or a transformer, uh, vision transformer, and in the case of NLP, you have LSTMs, transformers, so on and so forth. But The idea is that with these embeddings, you are able to capture the semantic information in all of this unstructured data, in all of this human-generated data, images, video, audio, text. So let's say I have two pictures of German shepherds. They can be very, very different in terms of actual pixel values. But if I were to use machine learning and map both of these into embedding space, we end up getting two vectors that are very, very close to each other just in terms of Euclidean distance. So that's really the power of machine learning. That's the power of embeddings. And what a vector database hopes to do is to capture the power of those embeddings and allow users, allow applications to search, index, and store those embeddings, right? I will say one thing, which is that uh, there are other ways of generating embeddings beyond just machine learning models. So, you know, we do have a Milvis user, for example, where they actually have a way of generating an embedding by a handcrafted algorithm, turning an executable into this embedding space. And what they're able to do is they're able to scan for, you know, viruses or malware just by seeing, you know, if I have this new executable coming in and I turn that into an embedding and it's very close to other existing pieces of malware that's probably something that we should flag for review. So just to summarize that real quick, an embedding is a high-dimensional vector where it captures the semantic information of the input data. Now, a vector database such as Milvis, what it is able to do is store, index, and search across those vectors. And that is actually a critical component for a lot of AI applications today. And I'll give a quick example, right? So a very popular one is reverse image search. And reverse image search, what you want to do is given an input photo, I'm going to go back to the German Shepherd example, given an input photo, 
you want to be able to search for semantically similar images. So I think if you go to, let's say, Google Image Search today, I think that's still very much based off of a combination of color features, you know, probably uh, some text-based features as well. But we want to be able to search these images based on the semantic content. If I have a picture of a German Shepherd, I want to be able to search for other German Shepherds, you know, similar to that as well. And with a vector database, if you imagine you have this huge data set, maybe 100 million or a billion images, and you want to search for other similar content, similar images within that vector database, that's what something like Milvis allows you to do. So that was really a crash course on embeddings on a vector database as well. So I hope that's mostly clear there. Yeah, you know, a couple follow-ups. So, so vectors and embeddings in this context are kind of synonymous. You've used them a bit interchangeably. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, you mentioned that you'd have a vector for this German Shepherd dog, but basically anything that might have a label in the image could have a vector, like eyes, paws. Could those also have vectors associated with them, or is it just kind of one vector per image? Or Yeah, they could. If you have, let's say, an object detector in an image and you run that image through your object detector, you could have individual components inside of that picture, which has embeddings as well. So let's say I have a picture of a conference room. There's many chairs in there, many different types of chairs. There's probably, let's say, a television mounted on the wall. There's a conference table. All of those could be turned into embeddings. There is one point that I forgot to mention earlier, which is that embeddings nowadays are actually multimodal, which makes them even more powerful. There's an idea where I can actually embed text and images into the same space. So if I were to take, let's say, the sentence, a picture, uh, let's say, of a chair, and I would you know, take a picture of a chair, I could turn that image and I could turn that sentence, that piece of text, into vectors which are close to each other through the power of machine learning. We're going in a direction, I like to call it uh, embedding everything. I think Jan Kuhn probably a couple of years ago had a tweet where he said, you know, just embed the world, something along those lines. And I think that's really exciting for not just machine learning application developers, but also for a wide range of existing use cases as well, because what you're previously able to do through only you know, probably some human curation or probably having descriptions, you're now able to do by combining a vector database with machine learning models with AI. So really, you know, a vector database is, I would say, a database for the AI era, right? Yeah, now that we're talking about the database a little bit, is this a component in order to generate the model, which I think is where a lot of people feel like they can kind of understand where tooling fits. You know, in my process of generating models, I need certain things, or is it more on the serving side, or is it used for these kind of second order use cases? You know, you described maybe if I wanted to create an image search engine, I could put a bunch of embeddings in a database. And so in that sense, it's not quite a model that's serving as much as it just is the database that's serving. That's actually a great question. If you have a model or you have a way of turning your unstructured data into embeddings, then you know, I think a vector database really becomes extremely useful for you. That's a great question, by the way, and I'll, I'll sort of talk a little bit deeper about that, where you want to be able to, oftentimes, it's more than just uh, wanting to create a reverse image search engine, or it's more than wanting to do recommendations. Oftentimes, you want to simply analyze the data that you have coming as an input. So I'm going to take a different approach from 
machine learning where if you have, let's say, protein structures or you want to do AI drug discovery, you can turn these molecular structures into embeddings and be able to analyze all of those, do drug discovery in a vector database. And you know, beyond that as well, I think a vector database is really meant to supercharge a lot of the applications where you have huge, enormous quantities of data and you're not able to analyze all of those effectively. So I would say it's more if you already have a model or you already have a way of turning a piece of unstructured data into an embedding, turning images, video, audio, text, you know, a graph or protein structure, you're able to turn that into embedding, that's where Milvis really becomes useful for you. I will follow up on that as well and talk a bit about the whole idea of unstructured data, uh, which I just realized I forgot to do so earlier. In the 1970s and 80s, you know, when computers were still very much in their infancy, the idea that computers could be used to search, store, and analyze data, I think that was really at the forefront of a lot of use cases. You, know, you have MySQL, I think, came out in 1995, and PostgreSQL came out in 96, I believe. All of these traditional databases are meant to store structured data. So data that you can store either in a table-based format or data that you can store in, let's say, an object-based format or, let's say, a NoSQL database, JSON, you know, like MongoDB, key-value stores like Redis, so on and so forth. But all of these are really considered structured data. We have a you know, very unique data model, and there is a way for us to be able to turn that data into a way where we can sort of go by these key value pairs and get that data out. And unstructured data, you know, being able to search through, let's say, like raw pixels in, in a database or being able to search through pieces of text in a database, um, that is not something that these traditional databases were meant to do. So I'll give an example where the other day I was talking to a friend about, uh, you know, I'm in, in college, I was an electrical engineering major. Um, now I would say I'm firmly in the field of computer science. We were talking about how these two fields really blend very well with each other. So down at Stanford, Packard Building and Gates Building, these are literally right next to each other, the EE and CS, CS halls, right? But in a traditional database, you probably have a phrase like computer science be closer to social science or be closer to you know, some other traditional form of science, right? And you wouldn't really be able to tell that electrical engineering and computer science, they're actually very, very related fields. Now, if you were able to turn both of these phrases into embeddings, you'd actually find, again, through the power of machine learning, through the magic of machine learning, that these are actually two very, very related concepts. And that's really where we want to be able to leverage that power over hundreds of millions or billions of items, uh, billions of embeddings, and store those in a vector database and be able to index and query across that. That's an interesting analogy, and you're right. So these vectors are kind of conceptual representations of things. And you're pointing out that unstructured data doesn't fit in database, but we can extract conceptual representations of the things in the unstructured data in the images and then store those in a, in a database. Well, good. Let's switch gears a bit and, and now talk about Milvis. Milvis is this impressive project. I know, Frank, you weren't there at the very beginning, but maybe you could let us in on what you do know about its origins and how it came to be. Sure, yeah. At the very beginning, I want to say this is back in 2018, we discovered through a lot of user engagement that 
vector storage and vector search, these are really two very important components in a lot of AI applications, but there are really no ready-made tools to solve this problem. There were a lot of vector indices, a lot of vector indexes, which had already existed. Back at Yahoo, we were using something called locally optimized prog quantization, low PQ. You know, there, there were these indexes that existed, but there was never a fully managed service. There was never a fully managed vector database out there. And we found that a lot of these users, they really wanted some type of vector management solution beyond just these pure indexes, right? So something like early 2019, we ended up completing the first prototype design and development there. A little bit later, there was testing done with a lot of early users, uh, bug fixes, improving the functionality, and really laying the groundwork for what Mobis is today. When you say we, this is the Zillis team, right? Yes. So yes. Um, Zillis is the company formed first, and you, you wanted to build some, some solutions for machine learning engineers. And through these interviews happened into this need around vector databases. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. At some point you set to work on Mildus, is that right? That's correct. Yep. yep okay, yep. got it. And that actually ties in really well with the next point, which is that in early 2020, we actually ended up migrating Milvis over to the LFAI Data Foundation. It's an umbrella organization under the Lynx Foundation. And it became an incubation project in early 2020. And it graduated, I just want to say, last year. So in, I think it was sort of like the first half or maybe like May or June of last year. I'll have to double check that. But in becoming a graduation project, Milvis, we really wanted to take it sort of to the next level. We wanted to make it a fully distributed cloud-native vector database. And this sort of ties in a little bit with the technology as well, which is that the very, very early versions of Milvis were very much single instance. And again, they were very prototype-ish and really trying to get a product out there, get something that users could use. And in that sense, you see a lot of these big, uh, very well-known database companies like, let's say, you know, Snowflake is a big one. They're going with a fully distributed, fully cloud-native solution. And you know, we really believe that you know, in the Movis community, and we really believe that that is the future of databases. And the same goes for a vector database as well. So I would say you know, the you know, 2021 all the way to today is really when we made a shift in, in our thinking and we really wanted Milvis to be a complete solution for the future, something that will be scalable horizontally, scalable to you know, one day, maybe even trillions of embeddings. That's our hope. Really, really taking the phrase embed the world, I think, to the next level. And... That is really our vision for Milvis within the Milvis community is that we're able to take something from a small scale vector index, something that's used to search over over through maybe 100,000 or a million elements and bring that into very much a fully managed service, something that you can scale to infinity and beyond quite literally. Yeah. And maybe while we're at it, I think Zillis has a couple other open source projects. Is it worth mentioning them? Are they related to Milvis in any way? Yeah, you know, I will mention them briefly. Zillis, you know, as a company, we're all about the vector database ecosystem. And Milvis, I would say, is very much the core open source project. But I think if you want to be able to build an application that utilizes AI, you need more than just a database, right? You also need ETL. 
You also probably want visualization tools to see what's going on within the database. You want a management console. And really, I will mention three other projects which really tie very well into Milvis, but I won't spend too much time on them. There is something called Tohi, which I'm involved in a lot more. And that project is all about ETL for unstructured data. We have another one called Atu, which is a Mobis management GUI. And we have another you know, fairly new one called Fetter. And that one is meant to help you visualize a lot of these vector indexes. You know, let's say like HSW or I, I won't go too much into the details of those, but we have these projects which are meant to complement Milvis and help turn it into a full vector database ecosystem rather than something that's purely there for storage. Awesome. And then if we've kind of covered the history, Frank, what are the things that users are doing with Milvis today? I imagine you have some interesting use cases. Oh yeah. It's funny that you bring that up. We had logo search. So we had a user that was trying to recognize brands. They were using Milvis there. We had, you know, as I mentioned earlier, AI drug discovery. There were these sort of a little bit more niche use cases that don't necessarily 100% utilize machine learning. I saw a recent project where we had a user, they were turning crypto prices into a time series embedding and trying to see if they could predict future prices on Bitcoin, Ethereum. In that example, to make sure I understand it, there might be a certain time series pattern that would be captured as an embedding. And then if that pattern were to reoccur, you'd be able to see in the similarity search that that was reoccurring. And then you could potentially forecast where it's going based on where past patterns ended up. Yeah, no, it was a really, really interesting use case. And I asked the developer is this, would it be possible to apply it to, let's say, like the stock market? But <laughs> I think that ended up being a little bit out there for us. But on that topic as well, you know, there's also textual con- text search, you know, paragraph search, sentence search, text embeddings are a huge component of our user base. We also have video deduplication. So you see on a lot of platforms like, let's say, TikTok or YouTube Shorts, they want to be able to find duplicate short videos and turning those short videos into an embedding and seeing if there are any embeddings that are underneath the threshold to be considered a duplicate video. That's another use case that one of our users was looking at. There's the malware um, and detecting these executables, which might be trying to steal data. That's just, I think, a small number of the ones I can list off the top of my head. We also have users that build a QA system. So you can imagine embedding questions and answers into the same space. I was actually playing around with Siri the other day and you know, you've seen the matrix, right? Yeah. And I was, I was asking, should I take the red pill or the blue pill? But, you know, I was asking this in a, in a lot of different ways and Siri was still able to answer, you know, with a, with a very matrix-esque answer. And I think that really shows the power of being able to turn a lot of this context into embeddings and to be able to search across those inside of a vector database. Because when your question about the red pill, blue pill might, might generate a vector that would be associated with the movie Matrix, maybe it generates a vector that's associated with like pharmaceutical companies or like certain drugs yeah. that are red or blue. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't proclaim to know how 
Siri works, you know, on Apple side, but it is one of the potential applications for vector databases, right? And I think there are more and more users coming to us every day. We had another one where they were trying to do music recognition, so something similar to what Shazam does. In all of these, it seems like determining similarity is the the thing. You, you describe search, and sometimes search means there's a very specific thing I want to find, and I use search in order to see a list of similar things so I can identify one thing. I guess what I'm saying is that recommendation engine is like, I want to discover something I don't know yet, but it's similar to oh, this. Yeah. And then search yeah. for some people means I, I, wanted to, I want to find this book. Um, yeah. And I know what it is before yeah, I go into it, but I want you to help me. It seems like we've heard more of the kind of recommendation engine style things, but I suppose this could be useful. No, I guess in Shazam, you're looking for a specific thing, aren't you? That's actually a great point. I'll talk about one of the key features that Milvis tries to implement, which is tunable consistency, right? So we have a lot of applications where we want very much exact matches, but at the cost of maybe a little bit of extra runtime. And then we have other ones where they want really, really fast query speeds, but perhaps at the cost of a little bit of accuracy. And that's what I mean by tunable consistency, where you can have these exact matches with a long runtime. If I have, a let's say, an input image or an input piece of text, I want to be able to find something within the database that matches exactly what that input image or text is or the closest neighbors to that. That is one option that we have in Milvis. And another one is if you want to be able to have maybe quote unquote, less accurate results, but you want to be able to have your user base, you're developing an application, you want to be able to have your user base see more of the potential pieces of unstructured data out there. That is a way for, you know, we have these knobs within Milvis that you can turn to be able to fulfill your specific application needs. And it's a fairly new concept within vector databases that we're really trying to push forward within Milvis as well. So I hope that makes sense, that whole concept of tunable consistency. Yeah, good. So I feel like we've kind of covered the use cases a bit and and the history What's uh, Milvis or even the, the company Zillis up to these days? What are kind of the big features or challenges that the project's tackling and what do we have to look forward to? Yeah, um, so Milvis these days, we're looking to integrate, you know, I think we recently released a very cool feature called time travel, which is where you can restore the database to a previous state at a previous point in time. We're planning on releasing GPU support very soon, so you'll be able to really speed up the search process if you have machines that have GPUs in them. We're continuing to iron out a lot of the bugs, continuing to add some features that improve sort of um, you, the, you, the entire user experience. And you know, as you mentioned, on the Zillas side, we're looking to have a managed service that utilizes Milvis, along with some of the other open, open source projects that I, met, that I mentioned earlier as well, Tohi, Autu, and Feder. We want to try to really integrate all of those and make a complete vector database ecosystem and try to have our users be able to, very much similar to what you can do with Snowflake or some of these other cutting-edge database companies, be able to spin up a Milvis instance very quickly and just get up and running in developing your application. One question before we wrap up, which I guess takes us in some ways back to the beginning. 
But maybe just to illustrate the value of a vector database, why can't I put vectors just kind of in Postgres or, or in Cassandra uh, or, or, or any database? What kind of is special about vector databases? That's a great question. You'll see a lot of traditional databases or a lot of traditional search solutions. They're also integrating these vector plugins. So ClickHouse and I think Elasticsearch, I think they both now have vector plugins, uh, not limited to those two services. But those are really traditional database or traditional search system models that are leveraging that existing architecture, they're expanding it to support vectors. Whereas for Milvis in particular, as a community, we've designed Milvis from the ground up to be a fully managed vector search solution. So on top of improvements in performance, on top of cloud nativity, there are also aspects of Milvis that allow it to really you know, give the user a great amount of flexibility. So we have different types of vector indexes that you can select from, standard, you know, IVF or some of the graph-based ones. We plan to implement Google's scan in there as well, scalable nearest neighbors. And really, Milvis is meant to be something that is centered around the idea of vector search, these embeddings, and built on top of that rather than something that is meant for structured data, you know, let's say a traditional database, and extended to support vector search. Makes sense. Uh, and, and kind of a speculation for us before you go, Frank, what... Does this replace a lot of traditional search? So, I mean, you know, we used Elasticsearch or things like it for a while to do traditional searching of text. Will we ever do that in the future? Or is this kind of vector search the way to do things like text? I would say from my perspective, the future is a combination of both of these search solutions. So there's always going to be tons of structured data out there. But as I think time goes on, I think... We've all been able to see this in the past decade where you have all of this human generated, you have this, like a flood of human generated data, again, text, videos, and the proportion of unstructured data in the world today is only going to be growing more and more. We're going to have, I think it's, I think I read a statistic somewhere where it says like 80% of the data generated today is going to be unstructured. And to be able to search across that, is something that is going to be very important for a lot of applications. But that doesn't mean that a vector database is meant to replace a lot of traditional ones. That doesn't mean that we hope to be your one-stop full-on database solution. I think a lot of these relational databases and vector databases are meant to work side by side, hand in hand, to help users develop these applications, to help us understand search across the world, so to speak, a little bit better. Awesome. Anything, Frank, you also wanted to add about the project or anything that we didn't get to talk about yet? I just want to say, you know, if, if some of the, I know there's a lot of information that I, that I put out there. If any folks listening today, um, if you're interested in coming out and checking out a little bit more about Milvis or seeing some of the applications that you can develop using Milvis, we encourage everybody to you know, go to our GitHub, milvis-io. And yeah, we'd love to chat more with some of the folks out there. Frank, thanks so much for coming today and, and pass our gratitude on to the Milvis team. It's quite a project and we're all excited to be able to enjoy it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on today, Eric. 
You can subscribe to the podcast and check out our community Slack and newsletter at contributor.fyi. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Eric Anderson, and this has been Contributor. Contributor.